you know, in Finland, people are we are, in general we are very kind of a pragmatic, uh, um, kind of a small people that we don't we don't need theories to make things work. And this is one of those ideas that we have had in education is that that we believe truly that if you trust people, they will do better. That was Dr. Posse Salberg, an educational researcher and author of Finnish Lessons 2.0. Welcome to the Education Futures Podcast. I'm John Moravec. And I'm Kelly Moravec. The Finnish approach to education is our focus for this episode. Finland has received a lot of attention lately for its top performance in comparative international assessments of its students and schools. We ask, what works in the Finnish approach to schooling? What are some of the misconceptions out there? What can we learn from the Finnish approach that could be used elsewhere? And do we need a revolution to create change, or is there a better way? Posse Salberg's book, Finnish Lessons 2.0, was the focus of our last online book discussion. We covered such topics as special education, the possibility of a shift from teaching to learning, the standards movement, and accountability. But two main themes really kept emerging throughout the discussion, and they were the ideas of trust and the idea of personalized education. Posse really wanted to join us. But he wasn't able to join us live. He was very kind to catch up with us in an interview a couple days later. Thank you for joining us. Could you take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure, yes. My name is Pasi Salberg, and I am a Finnish educator, a teacher. It's probably good to say that on the the, the World Teachers Day. Um, researcher, policy advisor. Um, I spent some time in the United States, Italy, England, um, looking at education things. So I'm a kind of a global observer of what's going on in not only here in Finland but uh, truly around the world. In your opinion, what are our current education systems doing well? Yeah, it's, it's probably difficult to say. Uh, something that would be globally universally thing that everybody's doing but i think i think that at least at the level of the kind of a discourse what people are talking about and what the policies are emphasizing is the the um the idea of including everybody in uh, in a one mainstream schooling and that's a kind of a new idea for a long time there was the part of the children were excluded from what we call a mainstream education, and they, they have their own schools, their own programs. So I, I think uh, throughout the world, this is something that everybody's at least talking about and, and people are trying to do things. I think the other thing that we see around the world that I think is the right thing to do is the um, the focus on more uh, on children's learning, you know, how they experience uh, learning, how they actually learn, rather than focusing on teaching and standards and what the schools and teachers uh, uh, teachers are doing. Um, other than that, I think, you, you know, when we look at the right things, what the what, what are the right things in education? From my perspective, I think the the number of systems, education systems are much smaller. But uh, those two things are, are very important, actually, if we are successful in, you know, including everybody and, and really paying attention to how, how kids learn and, uh, you know, understanding the learning ex- uh, experience, uh, then we are much further. And what do you like most about the Finnish approach to learning? 
I think you know if I if I look at the the education system in Finland compared to almost any other uh, education system, probably the our sisters and brothers here in Scandinavia, the Nordic countries, have the similar type of ethos of education. I can say that this is truly uh, a kind of a child-friendly, child-centered uh, system that uh, that basically everything we do, any reform or policy that we are considering or putting forward, any education, kind of, kind of a serious reform, always uh, comes with the, the first question, is this going to be good for children? How do the, the young ones experience this? How, how will it change their, what they do in the school? And, you know, this is not the case in most other countries, that people are debating, politicians are debating about whether schools should be doing this or that. But here in Finland, we are not doing that. That we, we, we kind of put the child truly at the center. One of the, uh, one of the characteristics about this uh, feature of Finnish education is that we keep our children away from formal schooling relatively late. I think there's no other system that um, starts schooling later than, than in Finland, that is age seven. Uh, and the early years of elementary school, I think we we enter the kind of a truly formal kind of a standardized pedagogy much later than anybody else. It's, it's uh, the first two or three years of our primary school is it's a lot about music and play and uh, you know l- learn to hang around with uh, um, with the friends and you know l- learn how to take the responsibility of your own actions and, and your own learnings and this is in in a, in a kind of a big picture this is truly a kind of an important uh, aspect of learning if you if, if if we can educate children who are kind of a responsible for their own own things uh, when it comes to learning i think that's a beauty there's a beauty of the, the that type of education system let's pause here for a moment I guess I have some thoughts on uh, the idea of this shift in the mindset from teaching to learning, Um, because while I think that there are some progressive educators that I know that really have truly made the shift um, in thinking about what they do in their classrooms from teaching to learning, I'm not seeing that as very widespread. I think we talk a lot about learning. I think we talk about uh, you know, how kids learn and the ways that kids develop and the way that the brain works. But I'm not really seeing that translate into what happens in classrooms on a regular basis. And it seems rather ironic to me that on the policy standpoint or on the management standpoint, we seem to be shifting from learning towards teaching. And I think that's the whole accountability piece. Um, is to really measure teaching, but not so much the learning. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's very much a disconnect uh, going on here. Well, I'm not sure how we can say that we're putting a focus on learning when we're really putting a focus on teaching the standards. It's when you're looking at a standards-based model, e- even if you're trying to assess regularly toward mastery of the standards, you're really looking at how, as a teacher, you are going to teach the standards to ensure that the students master them. It's not so much looking at how a child learns best, but how to teach this standard best. And there's a big distinction there. And that's what I really like about the Finnish approach, because I think there's really nothing wrong with standards or having us agree on standards. But the accountability piece is shifted away from being something where the teacher and the school need to report up to something where they're just trusted to do their job and teach it and make it happen. 
And I think that's a key difference that is something that we can really learn from. I I also agree that standards are okay. Uh, There's certainly nothing wrong with identifying the things that students are supposed to know, understand, and be able to do by the time they leave and having that be something that's standard um, across all areas of education. The, the part that I have a hard time with is that there's this idea that it's either personalized education or it's standardized education. And instead of looking at how we can blend both of those wor- worlds where in this era and within the standards movement, we know what we have to teach. We know we have to teach the standards. We know that students are meant to learn the standards. But how can we incorporate more ideas from this personalized education approach within the standards-based model? I think those are great leading questions. Let's continue. This sort of uh, focus on, I suppose, soft skills development really sounds like an extended kindergarten experience in a way, doesn't it? It is. And, you know, that's where Finland is very different. We are extending kindergarten experience to first and second and sometimes third grade, even fourth grade, you know, if the kids are requiring this. When I look at the, the American education uh, culture today, for example, is is in many places. Uh, I see that the kindergarten is becoming a new grade one, uh, and and kids are le- kind of beginning to do the things that they they used to do in a first or second grade. Now, in a preschool or even kindergarten, uh, when they're three or four, Let's just look at the testing, the, how kids are tested, so that we adults expect that they should be able to recognize numbers and letters when they're two or three years old. I think it's uh, ridiculous. Yeah, it's an interesting change for sure, and uh, one that really scares me um, as an educator or educational researcher. What are some misconceptions you believe people might have about education in Finland? Wow, that's a huge uh, that's a huge issue. I, I would say that the probably ironically, I would say that one of the one of the big misconceptions that many people have that I, I actually try to do away a little bit in my book, and I actually write it literally there is that Finland doesn't have a best education system in the world that there are there are very few people here uh, whether they're teachers or policymakers or researchers or educators who will claim that we have the best education system in the world but many others uh, outside of Finland uh, particularly media seems to be thinking that somehow Finland has the best education system and I, I think the difficulty that the Finns the Finnish educators have with this type of misconception is that um, you know, these international assessments that have have uh, brought Finland to the kind of a center arena in educa- global education, they're only looking at reading and math and science. And here, I think the conception of learning and uh, achievement is much broader than this, that we, we include things that uh, these tests cannot measure. And, and that's why... Um, that's why I think this idea that one education system is the best in the world or better than the others uh, is a misconception. I think what we would like world to see when they read or observe the Finnish education is that we have a very different uh, system of education. That we think uh, very differently about learning. We think very differently about the role of young children, even when they are at the age of six or seven or eight, uh, and what they should be doing than you know many other education systems. The other one, I think, that has been sometimes uh, causing a little bit confusion and trouble is that uh, many people seem to think that it's the it's the Finland's great teachers that have created all this uh, global hype, that we just happen to have so superior uh, individuals in our schools that they're able to 
you know, boost the learning of each and every child in the school. And it's, it's, it's you know, I've been trying to write this. I, I write this in my Finnish lessons 2.0 very clearly that, you know, it, it's, it's not about individual teachers. It's not about the human capital that we have in the system. In other words, having having uh, privilege to have great teachers. It's about more about the social capital of the system that we have good teachers. Uh, that sometimes I would say that they are probably not as as individuals that they are probably not better than many American teachers or probably most American teachers. But what we do with them is that we give them responsibilities and freedom and trust, and then invest in um, in you know teams and and collaboration and. Uh, and cooperation in the schools rather than for example in the united states where the almost the 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 only way to look at the teacher issue is to see through the human capital lens uh you know talk about effective teachers and bad teachers and how to assess and measure them and then identify the bad ones and try to get you know change the laws and regulations so that that you can get rid of them and then bring these super duper individuals to do the better job and i think that this is something Something that people should not think when they look at Finland is that we are um, we have been able to accomplish these international results by just having great teachers. I think we have good teachers in our school system, but I, I think that so does America. I think many of the American teachers I've seen working in the classrooms and schools, you know, given all these complexities and diversities and you know, lack of resources and support and these things that you are doing amazing, amazing things. And that's why I have argued that, you know, if you if we were able to ship um, 100,000 Finnish teachers to to teach in, uh, for example, in, in the state of Minnesota and in your schools, they probably wouldn't be able to do any better than uh, not, uh, any, any of your teacher there. So I think this teacher myth is something that is um it's the truth is much more complicated than just saying that you know great teachers will do make great <laughs> great schools. So, so those are some of those things. Recently and finally, uh, I think one of the very disturbing misconception is uh, something that Michael Moore, for example, uh, endorsed in his latest film that Finland doesn't we don't have any homework, and and that's something that is very <laughs> kind of a strange observation because we we do have homework but you know the homework idea in finland is very different than it is in um, for example in the united states so we don't have any homework homework standard that the kids should have every day an hour or two homework we do homework when it seems like reasonable you know if if uh, 10 year olds if they need to read a book they may read a book they may have five hours homework in the evening because they have to read a book or do something else but we don't think here that just asking kids to sit down every night two hours at home and do something a routine kind of a manual thing that doesn't have anything to do with the learning would be any good for for anything and that's why i think the myth of no homework is something that should be should be removed from the uh, from the agenda let's um let's sidetrack to to the i think the equity piece uh was huge at least for for me as a reader um and in particular with special education so you explained that finnish special education is for all students so how do you believe we can make it less stigmatized elsewhere as well yeah, first of all thank you so much for for so carefully reading my book <laughs> i appreciate that um 
you know, one way to, to get the uh, reduce the stigma that often comes with special education is to stop talking about that as a special education. And, and that's exactly what we are doing right now, that we don't formally in Finland, we do not have special education. It's, it's, it's called, in our language, it's called something like uh, early intensified support and help. Uh, which means that we, you know, we all need help, and this is uh, this is exactly why we wanted to, you know, do away the term that previously was labeling kids for, where we even even some of them were were calling themselves a special needs kids. But I, I, I think that that's that's the one thing. I, I think what the Americas should do seriously is uh, to to follow uh, also what Finland has done in. Um, uh, you know, uh, broadening the concept of special education as a whole. And the irony here is that the special education in Finland was designed based on American model in, in, in the 1970s and 80s. You know, all these theories and ideas, they were brought almost one, you know, one to one from the United States. Uh, but then we soon realized that, you know, some of these things have to be changed and uh, the names and categories have to be labeled in a different way. Um, and, and that's, I, I think it's a, it's a very important thing that special education is not only something, doesn't refer to something that requires a, a medical uh, dysfunction or um, uh, assessment uh, as it is in the, in the United States that most most of the kind of a categories that define what the special need children should or should not uh, have are somehow medical in nature. But in, in Finland, you know, if you compare those categories in these two countries, it's exactly the opposite here, that most of the categories that we use to assess whether the child has a kind of a special need or he, he or she needs a early, early uh, help and support are non-medical in nature. So they are related to um, uh, learning difficulties of some some type, uh, behavior, social things, uh, emotional things. Um, and and I, I think the fact that we are able to, within our system, because we trust our teachers and schools much more than you do in the, in the United States, that we are able to begin the help, offer the help immediately to those individuals in our school system, uh, which is not the case in every, everywhere in the United States. And, and because of this early intervention, kind of an early um, support and help for the individuals, we are much more successful in Finland to prevent even more serious uh, difficulties and, and uh, uh, consequences of these problems later on. It's interesting if you look at the, the number, as I describe in my book, that if you look at the number of individuals who are in need of some type of help or, or support that we call special education, uh, that number of those individuals in the United States is increasing the older they get. In other words, in the older uh, older age, there are more and more, <coughs> excuse me, more and more problems. Whereas in Finland, we are able to reduce that number. Which the, the only explanation to this is that we have a very different uh, kind of a strategies. That in Finland, we here we think that prevention is always cheaper and more effective than repair. Whereas in, in America, you are in a business of kind of a trying to repair and fix the the, uh, the the difficulties. So I think these are some of those things that I, I think. The, the special education uh, philosophy and practice in the United States could take a closer look at. I think related to that, 
you suggest that teachers and students must learn and teach in an environment that empowers them to do their best. How do we build that? And how does power play a role in education systems more broadly, I guess, might be kind of a tag-along question. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I, uh, since I was a very young teacher, I, I always I adapted something that my uh, one of my heroes in America uh, said and wrote all his life. Uh, his Seymour Saracen. I don't know if uh, people know his works, but I think you should read what he, he has been saying because he said that there will be no change or improvement in education before the power relations change in school. And power relations are not only, you know, power relations, how, how teachers and, and principals are related to one another, but particularly how students and teacher uh, are, you know, playing this power game together. And and, and very quickly we come to the, the, the issue of trust, how much we can trust individuals. And, you know, in Finland, people are, we are in general, we are very kind of a pragmatic uh, um, kind of a small people that we don't we don't need theories to make things work and this is one of those ideas that we have had in education is that that we believe truly that if you trust people they will do better okay so if you teach if the principal and the system society if we, if we trust teachers that they can do they can do the right thing um, if we give just give them a little bit more freedom and you know, resources to do these things, that they will do that. And this is the only way that the teachers will behave and think in the same way in their classrooms, by thinking that, you know, if I just trust my students and teachers and, and kids a little bit more and give them, you know, find their own ways and experiment a little bit, sometimes fail, come back and then learn, that they, in general, they will do better. And this is exactly how things work. This is how it works in real life. That, you know, if you, if you are in the family, that if you trust your kids, that they sometimes they fall and break something and spend their money. But in general, you know, trust will always accumulate something that is better than if you have a total control of you know, rules and regulations for everything. Now, if you look at the American and many other education school cultures, now it's a, it's a very highly kind of a uh, guarded and, and regulated and uh, directed system where Many American, probably most American teachers I've met, they say that they have a kind of a feeling that nobody trusts what they do, that there's so much testing and standards and control and you know all these things that they have to do, that they have a kind of a feeling that they, they are just you know delivering things, that they are delivering somebody else's programs and scripts. And you know, my theory of action is that if we want to if we want to empower people in general, we have to first we have to trust them more and we have to give them more kind of a freedom to influence their own decisions and then we we have to these two things are not enough but then we, we also need to have a ways through our leadership or parenting or whatever it is or teaching to make sure that these individuals can that they are somehow connected to one another more than uh, they were before so in other words that that the people need to have, you can call it the collective autonomy, that they need more freedom from authority and bureaucracy, but less autonomy from one another. And that's something that I think is is at the heart of the building trust and, and building trust empowers people. It's as simple like this. There's no, I don't think that there's no any better way to empower people and get more good things out of the teachers and students than this. And that's why I think you know the formula for improving American education is very simple. For if I if I can tell that from the kind of 
outsider's point of view. It's very difficult to say this in when you're within the, the American culture. And it's this, that just, you know, do anything that it takes to build more trust in education, in schools, teachers and principals. And this trust will then somehow it will be disseminated in the classrooms and communities to children and parents and, and many others. And if this trust alone will uh, bring empowerment that will enhance and improve things. So it's as simple like this. You don't need to have education reform for this. You just need to change the way where you think about this. And, you know, this is not a rocket science. I've learned these things. You know, the irony, again, is that this is very much a kind of advanced American educators thinking. <laughs> Many of these things that I'm saying, I've actually learned and heard in, in the United States. Uh, but the, the bad news is that Many of these great ideas are not really, um, you know, part of the, any of the larger educational thinking or policy or reforms. That they are kind of a pockets of intelligence and uh, uh, envisioned there in America that, that understand th these things, but the system is not able to follow these ideas. I think that trust issue is huge. Um, you know, my my personal opinion, it seems that our system here and across much of the world is is really based on distrust, compliance, and complacency. And that the trust issue really, really stems out as something that we we really need to focus on. So how do you think we could better manage this sort of chasm that we've built between standards and accountability with personalized learning and trust? Do we need an all-out revolution, or is there a middle way? Uh, there, there must be a middle way because there, there's really a revolution in education. Many people, many countries and systems have tried it, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really work like this. I, I think that, so. There, there, there has to be, a, there has to be a kind of a middle, uh, middle way. Um, you know, I don't know. I think that the, you know, the, the America is a, is a kind of a strange system because you have, you have. 15,000 school systems there, the, the, the local systems, and they all have their school boards. And the school boards and, and the local communities, the districts that run the schools there play a hugely important role in, in there. So first of all, I would say that the federal policies in America will will not bring the change. The, the, the power is not there. And it's a, it's a you know, you, you know it much better than I do that that's, that's going to be. Uh, whether it's going to be a state level reform, I think personally, I think that some of your states um, that are a little bit more advanced, like Minnesota, for example, California now, Vermont, um, in New England, uh, some others, that they are probably able to somehow lead the way in America and show that you know they, they, there must be another way to think about education uh, that is alternative to. Uh, kind of a strong accountability standardization testing, kind of a data-driven, uh, performance-driven thing uh, that will take more into consideration the different differences of individuals and the fact that we don't really know uh, what the future will be like, that we, we, we cannot think anymore that we educate educate young people to be successful in the future because we have no idea what, what the future will be like. So, so you know, as, as the, uh, the education leaders realize this thing, um, I think that will be something that will, will bring the change. But I would be very kind of uh, curious to see if any of these uh, districts in, in America, particularly a little bit larger districts, could kind of break away from the... Um, uh, 
from the kind of a traditional way of thinking about education and try to do things in in a new way it might happen because that's the only way to change in america if you ask if you ask my opinion and if you have enough of those uh, districts and and there are some of those in minnesota i know that some of the districts are doing excellent work and they're kind of a, uh, walking their own ways and uh, this empowered empowered schools project or something like this that you have i, I think are excellent examples of uh, you know how i would like but Somehow, in deep deep in my mind, I, I kind of hear the the voice of uh, Sir Winston Churchill, who said that you can you can always count on Americans to do the right thing after they have tried everything else. That this is the, this is somehow probably going to happen in education as well. That you you try everything everything you have in mind before you realize that you know this has all been all been. Um, Kind of a useless that we we need to do something that we need to see what the Canadians are doing and you know this this is this is something that I've been trying to uh, encourage people in America to say that you know if you think Finland is too far away or is too small or too strange or they speak funny language or they play too uh, bad ice hockey just go to Canada just go to Alberta that is near <laughs> two hours away from from uh, Minnesota or, or uh, British Columbia or Ontario and you see a kind of a amazingly similar things uh, in education than in Finland. If I was a Canadian from Alberta having this conversation with you, you know, many of my answers would be exactly the same. I would speak exactly the same things and I'm a Canadian. <laughs> I'm just a few hundred miles away from there. So, wow. you know, if, if, if America would realize this, that, okay, you know, they are, it's not only Finland, that there are many others that are doing these things and some of those are very similar to what we are uh, so maybe maybe we should take another look, you know, what these guys are doing and why they do these things. And, and you know, this is probably the kind of a requirement in America before anything kind of a larger uh, change uh, occurs. So you talk a bit about individualized learning. And then towards the end of the book, you touch a bit on individualized schools. So what would those look like? And what would it really take to build those? Well, you know, it's an interesting question, the, the individualized or personalized or customized schools, if you wish, uh, because that's exactly what we have here. But we have, I, I, think, I think the good way to illustrate the, the individualized schools is that I, I think in order to make it work, the school must have enough authority to, uh, you know, create their, their, their daily work to look like themselves and this is something some people often say to me that but you know all of your schools are like charter schools or independent schools in america and in a way they are but they're all public schools they're all within the public system um, and what we do here is that first of all that we require that every school must have their own curriculum they have to have their own program that they do together together with all the teachers and students and community and these curricula from one school to another, even within the same district, uh, may be different. So they may have different focus and emphasis and nuances in, in, in this curricula. And we often, you know, what we have realized when we have had these individualized schools here through this uh, kind of a school-based curriculum thing is that it's, it's not the content. It's not about, you know, what you teach and when do you teach this thing and how much you teach mathematics. But it's the fact that when teachers have access truly to influence uh, what their own school will look like through this curriculum. That is the, the kind of a, the seed of change. 
that will change many uh, many things. And then within this kind of individualized school-based curriculum uh, approach, uh, we need to have also, you know, the, the students must have the same type of freedom, but they must have, they, they, the students must feel that they ha- they can influence to some extent, not completely, but some extent, uh, you know, what they study in the school and how they study and when. Um, and if you, ca- if you can have this kind of a um, individualization or customization at the different levels of, of education, then uh, the system will look uh, look like this, and you know the the older our children get here in Finland, when we get to the your high school type of thing, it's completely personalized and individualized. It's uh, the students we don't even have a crates anymore, which would like you have you have a, a grade uh, ten and eleven and so on there, uh, but we the students here they just study stuff that they want to do. Uh, and some of them, they study faster and some of them, you know, we have a, like you guys, we play a lot of ice hockey here and do some crazy things. And some of those young kids, you know, 20 years ago, when I went to school, if there was somebody who was serious about ice hockey and the question was that should I continue playing hockey and do less school or leave the school altogether or go to school and leave hockey, the, you know, ice hockey won every time and the school lost every time. But now we, we have a kind of, a, because of this individualized system, it means that these kids, like some of them are now playing in um, uh, in, in Minnesota, these guys, that they um, they can continue, they can graduate, like Marcus Kranut, for example. He was the, he, he's a good example of this type of guy who would have never, ever graduated from high school in the old system. But now he did because he had, he could kind of uh, accommodate the the uh, the schooling into his hockey schedule, and I'm saying th- this way. It's not about you know going to school and then accommodate the hockey. For him, it was a hockey first, but then because of this individualized, flexible system, he could do the schooling while he was playing hockey in the national team. And uh, there are many many others, many young people who are musicians and actors, or just simply need more time to learn that they're interested in different things. That they the school system must. If it's individualized or personalized, it must be able to offer kids, um, you know, these learning services on their own pace and based on their own interest. And this is what we have been trying to do now. I have been doing here for the last 25 years almost. Well, thank you very much. This is uh, just an outstanding uh, interview. And I guess that two of my key takeaways are, number one, we need to learn a whole lot more from Canada. Um, Truck up there and just talk with people. Um, but the other one is the focus on trust. And you said that if you empower people, they will do better. Is there a cultural element in Finland that makes it this sort of success with trust hard to replicate? Uh, absolutely. Yes. And that's, that's something that, you know, first of all, I've, um, I meet a lot of people here from United States, Canada, all over the world when they come and see our schools. And I always ask them, that. so, so what is your takeaway? What is your educational souvenir that you take to your colleagues and friends from here? And most of them, interestingly, most of them, they say that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll bring this idea of, of trust, how important role trust plays in education, that here they can really see what it looks like and 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 how people feel about it and an interesting thing here is that everybody talks about it it doesn't matter where you go with school everybody you ask this question that's so what is the kind of a main thing uh in your work that that really 
makes it a, a kind of a Finnish type of way they say we trust one another and and it is easier to do here uh, now getting back to your question because you know in this country we still have more of that type of social capital within our society uh, and social capital often comes with the trust that we we kind of trust one another than you guys in America that is much more uh, you, you know, America is like a mosaic of different different cultures and nationalities, and and that's of course more difficult, dif- difficult to have a kind of a um, uh, consistent uh, level of trust. There, there have been interesting experiments. One of them is the the, the experiment where uh, where they dropped twenty uh, wallets in the capitals of the. I don't know if you heard about this. Helsinki was was one of them, our capital, and then New York and Paris and London and uh, Bangalore and Tokyo, those. And out of the 20 wallets that they dropped in Helsinki, 19 came back, uh, which indicates that there's something that, you know, it's not not exactly uh, the definition of trust, but it means that people still here can kind of uh, rely on one another. And it's a, you can have very different type of education policies and practices if you know that the trust is a kind of a building block in, in your culture. If you don't have that, I'm not saying that you cannot do any of those things, but it takes a little bit more uh, kind of a groundwork that you have to explain a little bit more that, you know, these are the rules and we should behave like this. But here in Finland, we still have the, most of those things are kind of unwritten rules uh, everywhere. That people know that you know this is how we should be should be doing. If you don't have those things, then it takes just a little bit more um, kind of a speaking out those things that people know what what the expectations are. But you are absolutely right that it's a, it's a very dangerous thing to come here to Finland, spend a week here looking at the schools, and then go home and say that we're going to have a trust based system. So all the regulations away, we just trust one another. That's going to be a chaos, and nothing good comes out of this. But I, I think what what you can learn here. And this this uh, experience here, actually, what you can learn also in Canada to some extent is that how important and powerful and empowering this idea of trust can be. It's a huge source of human energy uh, if you if you if you can truly work with people who trust one another, uh, and and that's that's something that I think um, you, you can do much more than you do right now. But you cannot you can never have a finished uh, finished trust based system there. Is there anything you would like to add? Any last comments? Uh, no, I think is a, you know you can approach Finnish education of any education system from different uh, different different perspective. But I, I think you have really touched upon the the critical elements, the critical aspects. Of course, we can have another conversation sometime later if you want about the. Uh, you know this other side a kind of a dark side of Finnish system because that's something that I like in my book the whole fifth chapter is is a, is a kind of a question that is the future going to be finished and I'm actually increasingly concerned about some of those things that uh, that are not happening here in this country that we are we, in a way we are allowing this uh, this system that we have had that is based on trust and professionalism and, and collaboration many other things that can kind of slip away a little bit and so we can we can talk about but that's a whole uh, other conversation about um, you know what how, how you can w- what it takes 
to do away the excellence in your system of education and, and equity as well, because that's another source of learning. We can learn we can learn from one another two ways. One is that what what, are the, what does it take to build a good system of education? What are the building blocks of excellence and equity? But then another equally important thing is that what are the building blocks or what are the hammers and uh, mortars um, when you destroy the system or, or not, not destroy, but you know when you when you let it collapse? And and we can we can learn from both of those things, and that's going to be that's going to be interesting uh, interesting story. We are trying trying hard to you know keep and maintain some of those things, but time will tell how how this story will play out. <laughs> this episode of the Education Futures podcast is made possible through the support of our wonderful listeners, and especially the folks who write to us, who provide feedback insights, and ideas for future episodes. You can learn more about the series at educationfutures.com slash podcast. If you'd like to chat with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at @futures and on Facebook at Education Futures. And thanks to Richard Cash and Free Spirit Publishing, we are sending Sierra Lindfors a copy of Richard's Self-Regulation in the Classroom. We're reading this for our November 3rd online book discussion. Join us at 10 a.m. U.S. Central Time on Facebook and Twitter using the hashtag EFreads. Thanks to the generosity of Richard Cash and Free Spirit Publishing, we have more books to give away. One additional copy of Self-Regulation in the Classroom will be given away through a drawing on www.educationfutures.com reads, and two copies of Richard Cash's Advancing Differentiation will be given away to the first two listeners who email us with their questions, thoughts, or comments on anything related to positive futures for education. If you'd like to listen to more, you should visit the Education Futures Podcast Patreon page. By chipping in with a monthly donation, you'll get access to the complete interviews we've recorded, including interesting bits that did not make the final cut this program. As more media become available, we'll make them available too. Go to educationfutures.com slash podcast and click on support to learn more. Email us your stories. Keeping conversations about the future of education going depends on you. We would love for you to share your stories, thoughts, opinions, and ideas for use in upcoming podcasts. Please email john at educationfutures.com or kelly at educationfutures.com and visit us at www.educationfutures.com to engage in the discussion on evolving learning and the future of education. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Kelly Kalorn. And I'm at Morvec. Thank you, and we look forward to continuing the conversation with you in our upcoming podcasts. In our next episode, we continue with part two of the series on Finland, and we'll include some perspectives from the alternative side of things. Thank you for listening. <laughs>